It's not just the Baylor Bears. It's your ESPN FPI Top 25 Baylor Bears. Yeah, we're good again. Where's the... You are Locked On Baylor, your daily podcast on the Baylor Bears. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Welcome to Locked On Baylor. I'm a recovering TCU sympathizer from Sports Illustrated's Inside the Bears. That is the anti-Skip Goring Baylor fan of the year, Robbie Triano from Big 12 Sirius XM Radio. Thank you for making Locked On Baylor your first listen every single day. And Robbie, those fighting Baylor Bears after a resounding 6-7 and seven season and a loss in the Armed Forces Bowl are back. Number 23 in the ESPN preseason FPI, and we all saw it coming. Yeah. Um, first of all, I hope you don't cut what you did in the beginning. That was awesome. Uh, and secondly, the FPI is where like the offseason really starts for me. Like, Obviously, there's the end of the season, then there's the portal window and everything like that. But this is when people get irrationally like really pissed. Like you can have your top 10 coaches list or your, you know, other rankings list. No, this is way the one too right early. here. Yeah, way too early. This is the one that pisses everybody off because it has ESPN, FPI. This is what the numbers think. And like, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I honestly don't know what to think of the Baylor Bears, but now they're a top 25 team. So congrats to you guys. Thanks so much. It, it honestly makes sub-zero sense to me um, how or why any of this is happening. Take a team that was supposed to be really good and wasn't really good and then take out almost the entire defense from said team, reconsider the entire quarterback situation um, and re reestablish an offensive line where almost everyone graduated at ESPN honestly will probably like your football team. That's a pretty good recipe for ESPN to put you in the FPI top 25 alongside the Texas Longhorns, who are number five. TCU's at 17. Uh, Texas Tech is at 22. Utah, another notable Big 12 team at 15. Uh, this is it's like pretty clear here that Texas is the front runner, according to ESPN, which is shocking to everyone. Um, I'm actually not shocked about that. So I'm on the bandwagon for this season that like every year, Texas has the on paper. They should be amazing. And every year they always fall flat on their face or fall flat of expectations or everything like that. You said it. And then you look at this year. Okay. You have the most talented offensive line they've had in years type of talent that they haven't had. They haven't had a first round draft pick on the offensive line in about 20 years. They have Kelvin Banks. You cut out there. Can you repeat that, please? Louder? Uh, So for the last 20 years plus, they have not had a first-round offensive lineman coming out of Texas. Okay, sweet. Did that cut through? Did that go? I think I got that one. Yeah, I can can edit it later to make sure we amplify it more. But then you look at the weapons they have. They have Xavier Worthy. They have A.D. Mitchell coming out of Georgia. You have Jordan Whittington. You have Jatavian Sanders. You have not Bijan Robinson Robinson getting the football, but you have this other nice collection of pieces in a league where I think the Big 12 is probably not going to be very good this year. I look at a team like TCU. They lost more talent than they've really ever had, and they were excellent. 
You look at Kansas State, I still think can be in the Big 12 title mix. They lose a lot of amazing talent as well yeah. as like a really good defensive player. Felix Sanudike, you lose Julius Brents. You lose Adrian Martinez, who didn't do that much. You have Will Howard. You lose Deuce Vaughn. You lose Malik Knowles. Like, I don't know what the Big 12 is going to look like this year. And for me, I think Texas is like, they have a really high ceiling. And I'm not, this is the year I've been the most confident that Texas may be back. The handicap on Texas. Also, Bijan Runningson was a really good accidental that's a really good little stutter right there. Um, yeah. Wish we would have come up with that, you know, when he was still alive in college football. Instead, we just did mustard. Yeah. Instead of running, we did mustard. Because we thought that was funny. The the, no the handicap for Texas is that they have Blake Shapen at quarterback. That's going to be their problem. Blake Shapen and Quinn Ewers reminded me a lot of each other last season. One being objectively more attractive than the other, by the way. I'll let you decide, the fans. Um. Uh, elsewhere in the Big 12, and I want to hone in on Baylor, but first I was just, you know, like, okay, UCF, one spot out of the top 25 at 26, because John Rice Plumley is just Superman in a baseball uniform. Kansas State, still in the top 30 at 27. Oklahoma State takes a pretty big dip at 38. And then your Cincinnati and Houston and BYU are each on the really low end of your Big 12 totem pole going into next season. Uh, and then Kansas obviously rounds it out. BYU has, again, a, a pretty low ranking. ranking. Oklahoma, Oklahoma at 11 was surprising to me. Um, this is going to be a, this is going to be a fun league. Any, what is the biggest like FPI? Oh, hey, that's weird to you. Um, Baylor is definitely one of them. Yeah. Uh, Oklahoma yeah. is one of them for being just like pretty bad football team last year. Being 11. They were close in some games, but when you lose to Texas 48 to nothing, you get boat raced by TCU. Um, really just all around, you just lose really bad games to we, inferior talent. We beat them. Uh, that That's a really bad sign for Oklahoma. So that shocks me a whole lot. But I do kind of want to start the conversation about Baylor because like the other teams in the Big 12 that are new, the new four schools, I don't know a whole lot about them. I know that Iowa State is going to be bad. I know West Virginia is going to be bad. I think Kansas is going to be good because they potentially have the best quarterback in the league. But for Baylor, I just do not know what to expect whatsoever. You can tell me Blake Shapin makes a jump. Great. How high is that jump? Because, like, I don't think he looked very good last year. I understand they are mostly a running football team, but maybe that's because he's kind of bad. Because last year he was kind of bad. And then you lose Connor Galvin. You lose other pieces on that. I, I, I generally don't know what to think about Baylor. And I'm at that point now where I'm having difficulty understanding how good of a head coach Dave Aranda is. And I understand that's like the narrative this offseason about him. Like bad first year, really good second year, third year. Mm, I don't know what to make of this version of Dave Aranda. I don't know what. I know he's trying to be more confident and want his player to be more accountable. And he basically said, I need to be more mean, but like, I feel like we're at this stage. We're like an infant that this sounds rude, but just like, understand me. It's like where an infant kind of grows up and then learns a lot about themselves and then becomes like the little, the, the person they are. I feel like right now we're at that stage where Dave Aranda has really been learning a lot about himself, but like he's also the head coach of a football team. Yeah. So I don't know what to, to make of it all. Not to say that Richard Reese is Jesus by any means. That's not what I'm going for. I don't think you would go for that either, by the way. 
but I've got it's it's the walking on the beach thing. Like Blake Shapin and Richard Reese, there are two pairs of footprints. And then every now and then Blake Shapin says, why is there only one pair of footprints? And Richard Reese says, that's because it's when I was carrying you. And that was all of last season for Baylor will likely be all of this next season for Baylor. I do. I, I will have a show later in the week titled entitled. This is a hint for all of you. Blake Shapin will be Baylor's starting quarterback because that's what's going to happen. It is. He is going to be the starting quarterback. Um, I, I, Robbie, am. I am. Um, I'm going to transition at this point because this FPI thing it, to me, it's like the way too early. If you just put the words way too early in front of your top 25, no one can judge you. No one can touch you because I said it was way too early. It's not my real top 25. Feels like the FPI is kind of like that. You know, it's not like that. Much more consistent. FanDuel. Jeez. See, the Rangers won again. Jacob DeGrom. <clears throat> they won again. Maybe not, actually. At the time of the recording this, I don't know if they beat the Royals. But these baseball teams have been winning me money. I put $10 to say the Rangers are going to win, and the, the Astros are going to win, and the Dodgers are going to win. And then FanDuel says, good job, Drake. Here is, here is money. You see, here's what I want to point out to all of you. You see that over here to my, to my, just right under me, that's a, that's a tennis shoe right there. That's a tennis shoe. Here, here, here. Tennis shoe. It smells bad in my room right now because I left the tennis shoes out of my closet. You know what doesn't smell bad? FanDuel and the $1,000 you get back on a no-sweat first bet. $1,000 back on a no-sweat first bet. So you put $1,000 in the Rangers to win. If they don't win, you get $1,000 back on a no-sweat first bet. FanDuel.com forward slash locked on. It doesn't stink. Where there is smoke, there is fire. And there's obvious smoke of success here. Meaning there's the fire, the flame of success. FanDuel.com, the official sports betting partner of the MLB and the NBA and my hair. Robbie, the Big 12. So the, here's the deal. I don't know if you saw this. The Pac-12 was in conversations with the CW. I know you're hearing this for the first time, um, which is just right up there around the Food Network. It is. It's close. Ratings aren't great for the CW this last go around. All-American kind of tanked. Superman and Lois was great, but I feel like they're going to cut that one off fairly soon. And then the CW turned down the Pac-12. So now uh, I, I don't think they're out of the completely just lost. I, I believe they can still come up with something with ESPN or Fox Sports, a powerful entity. But when you have personalities like Deion Sanders, when you have brands like Oregon and Washington, these schools are very obviously pissed off and they keep pushing this date for a TV deal back. To me, it only seems right that here in five years, the Big 12 will have 16, 18 teams with a good portion of the Pac-12 being in this league. Yeah. Um, and Is that a firm yes as in you agree? Yes. Hmm. And I've actually been thinking a lot about the CW deal uh, just because, one, it's hilarious. It's, it's so uh, good. The CW is where I watched Malcolm in the Middle reruns and the Simpson reruns when my family – uh, which looking back, like we watched TV during dinner and like we missed on so many amazing conversations just because we were like, oh, we must watch what Dewey is doing right now uh, on the CW. And if anyone got that reference, good for you. Um, but I think about like, is that enough for the Pac-12 schools to completely destroy history, mm -hmm. geography, whatever, to go join the Big 12 if that deal isn't good enough? And my, my thing right now is I don't think so, but I think they're in trouble. But I think about the CW. Like, when you watch NBA playoff basketball, what channel is that on? TNT. TNT. Who, who's watching TNT? 
ever. You look at some Major League Baseball playoff games. It's on TBS sometimes. Yeah. Unless you like Impractical Jokers, who the hell is watching TBS or Friends reruns? So, like, can this potentially work? Uh, I think that's much better than Apple Plus, uh, Amazon, which, honestly, a lot of people have Amazon. So, like, people will watch on their TV streaming. But, like, a lot of people have cable. A lot of people who watch sports have cable. And if they have the CW, it may be hard to find. But once you do it, like, and that's just one, even if you don't have cable and you just have an antenna, you just have an antenna, you can get the CW. So, like, that is honestly maybe the best outcome for the Pac-12. Uh, is that an antenna right there? Uh-huh. It was. Okay. Um, Here's the problem. Okay. Continue. I have seen some of the best basketball games of my entire life, entire life on true TV. There is a week, two-week period out of the year where everyone in America, where true TV goes viral on Twitter because everyone's trying to figure out where it is on their television sets. There will never, Robbie, here's the problem, come a day where True TV or the CW or anything goes viral because no one can find the Cal-Arizona football game. The passion for Pac-12 athletics is not there. You could argue a very similar case, actually, about most of the ACC and most of the Big 12. Kansas State is playing Iowa State in a football game. There's a good chance that the CW is not going viral because people are trying to find it. That's why a lot of these are on Fox Sports 1 or whatever, you know, the, those side Big 12 games you get every Saturday. So I don't want to crap all over the Pac-12. This is true of most leagues. The problem is, though, every other league has secured a TV deal, and your league, with a bad product pretty much across the board at this point, doesn't have a TV deal, and no one's going to hunt for the CW to watch you. Yeah, no, that that is a really good point. It's better than the Pac-12 network right now, now, which is enough for them. But like, what the Pac-12 is doing is basically put duct tape on a really terrible issue, and the issue is nobody gives a bleep unless like you lose your not your two biggest brands, but I would say your biggest brand in USC when it comes to football in UCLA, which is another eyeball in the LA market. So you lose those two. Like, I like. Here's the thing. Do I want the Pac-12 to be destroyed? Absolutely not. I think the thing we love about college football, I love rivalries. I love beating up on my neighbors. I love beating up on the people that like I hate, hated growing up. I hate Ohio State. I hate Michigan. I hate Indiana when I play them. Like those are schools I just hate because I'm a Michigan State fan. I'm a Big Ten fan. Love beating up your neighbors? Yes, I love beating them up. I go to my neighbor's house. I walk in and say, knuckle sandwich time, bam, right in the face. Um, I, sh- I should have found a better way to say that, but uh, that's what I went with. Um, so do I want all of those rivalries to go away just because of terrible leadership? No. But do I want the Oregon brand, the Washington brand, the Colorado, both Arizona brands to stay alive and well and like be something we talk about when we talk about college football and college sports and college basketball? 100%. And if the Big 12 has something to offer to them to make sure that they don't just like fade and like become irrelevant, Come join us. Like, I would love for that to happen. But, like, I think everyone is really, like, when it comes to talking about this topic, everyone is so interested in it. And I could just very much see in two months, like, oh, they got the deal. Nothing's happening. 
the that's, that's the thing. That that's the thing. Like everyone is getting so excited about this topic, but I could just see nothing coming out of it. What well, the the idea they keep pushing this TV deal back is not healthy, by the way. I, I made this case last week. If you're having a grand opening for your restaurant and you keep pushing it back every week, probably doesn't mean and you tell the public, yeah, it's just because the restaurant's gonna be like even better than like you thought it was gonna be. We're just making it like cool and stuff that no one no one believes you. The idea that Cal will play Washington State or Washington State will play Oregon in football and anyone wants to watch it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's just not real. There's a, there's just not a draw there. Therefore, to cut that, that there is dead weight in the Pac-12 that when there's instability and so much dead weight at the bottom of your league, something has to break at some point when your Oregon's, Washington's, Arizona's, Utah, Colorado's say, hey, we, we can't put up with this anymore. This is not profitable, and we could be doing so much more somewhere else with better leadership. I, I'm with you. I don't want the Pac-12 to die. I don't want these matchups to die. I want it to be in the Big 12, and it's going to be either in the Big 12 or the Big 10 or somewhere else because the Pac-12, th this is not a sustainable business model. College athletics is a business, and what is happening in the Pac-12 right now cannot keep going. Robbie, I'm going to transition because there's been a lot of controversy on Twitter this week. Between you and one Scotty B, the Baylor King, Skip Goring, fan of the year, Scotty B, by the way. Baylor has gotten a new transfer point guard, Jaden Nunn. He played, he started in 60-plus games for VCU, scored nine points per game last season, was one of the best NBA prospects in the entire Atlantic 10. Everybody knows the Atlantic 10. They're not on the CW. And now he plays for the Baylor Bears. This might do it, Robbie. I now have Baylor in my ESPN FPI top five for next year's college basketball season. My football power index. They are top yes, five. I was going to say that. Um, congrats to Baylor. Uh, here's the thing. I made a take. I don't know. As soon as they lost after what I thought was just a really like lame end of the year for Baylor. Yes. Um, they were a team. You get Jonathan Chalmachachua back. Mm -hmm. You have Keontae George. You have these other amazing guards. Adam Flagler. You have LJ Cryer. And then they just like lose in the big 12 tournament and then lose to Creighton. And it was just like, okay, season's done. And I thought it was just a really lame way to go. And then you also lose in my mind, a really good amount of talent. You lose Adam Flagler, you lose LJ Cryer, who we actually had on. We had Scott drew on big 12 today. An hour after we had him, I couldn't have heard a man more dejected in my entire life. Cause obviously he put so much into LJ and loved him and gave him this role. And obviously LJ had to be patient for like his time to be in the starting lineup this year. So I understand there wasn't like there was friction during their entire relationship, but yeah. like that sucks. And then you lose Adam Flagler to the NBA draft. I, that's not like a transfer thing. That's just like, okay, you're getting old, go to the NBA. Yeah. Um, and they lose Dale Bonner, who at the end of the year, I thought was this really awesome chess piece that he had to go play defense. Although offensively, I thought he was just really meh. What's left of that roster? Okay, you have Jalen Bridges. I don't know what he's going to do. I don't I know either, if he's yeah. confirmed that he's coming back. You have Jonathan Chamachachua. How many years of eligibility does he have left? I, I, don't, I don't know. what. Okay. You have Caleb Lohner. He's a basketball player. I don't know what to make of that roster, and that's where, as a Baylor basketball fan, I don't know how you could think this team that, Scott Drew may get people in the portal like he did today, but how can you be better than the team this year that had some of the 
best talent you've had in years besides your national championship run. That's where, like, my thing is, like, they're probably not going to be the second or third best team in the Big 12. I am not pressing the red panic button. I don't think you are pressing the red panic button on Scott Drew. As has been, they're still one of the best programs in college basketball. As has been placed, like Baylor's still a tournament team, right? They're still probably a, a five seed, six seed, or better in next year's March Madness. That's great, but I, I, I do want a little, little truth serum here for everybody out there. This doesn't look great yet. I, I, I'm, I'm there. When you look at the roster going into next season, you cannot objectively say, oh, yeah, this roster is as good or better than what Baylor had last year. Could it end up being a really good team? Look at Jerome Tang in Kansas State. You pick the portal apart. You find the right concoction of guys. You build a culture, and Baylor's already got an established culture. They could be. I, I don't think, Robbie, you're saying that Baylor is going to be a bad basketball team next year, period. They could end up being a 12-win team in the Big 12, the roster and what I see on paper right now just doesn't have that yet. There are question marks around Miro Little, who's supposed to be really good, and Dan Juan Grimes and Jacoby Walter. There are good players who are coming to play for Baylor. But I, I don't think, I'm with you, in losing LJ Cryer, Adam Flagler, and Dale Bonner, that Jaden Nunn now becomes the catalyst to a Final Four caliber team. You, I do believe you would be pretty silly silly to say that right now yeah and speaking on like five-star talent like that is awesome that Baylor is getting like these type of high school recruits but also we are seeing that five-star recruits unless they are truly lottery picks or just like unbelievable players are going to make an immediate impact in college basketball because the sport has never been older one because the COVID eligibility I don't still know it but players are players are older and now that you can now go grab a transfer player that played at, let's say, High Point or some random university yes. and bring them in for their senior year as they are a proven basketball player who's played, I don't know how many minutes of basketball. Yeah, the 18-year-old college basketball player who may not be a lottery pick is not going to do that well. That's why the story of Keontae George and Grady Dick was incredible this year because they are incredible basketball players. And here's the thing to every fan. This is my biggest gripe with the transfer portal is the fans with it. Because every fan says, you know what, we're just going to go in the portal and we're going to patch everything up and we're going to be good and we're going to re rehaul our entire roster. Do you want to know who else is doing that? Everybody. Yeah. Every team in the Big 12 is currently doing that. Kansas is doing that. You have Kansas State. They're going to be doing the same thing. Every team in college basketball who is like cares about basketball is rehauling their roster through the transfer portal. So just thinking, oh, we're going to get our guy in the portal. Yes, Baylor is a really good program, and Scott Drew can do that, but everybody else is also pulling at him, and also people are dangling bags of cash, saying, yeah, you could go play for Baylor, but we also have this much of money. Do you want to turn down this much amount of money? That's where, like, every fan who does that, I always get pissed off about it, and you can clearly hear it. It's like you cannot fix everything in the portal. You Love. should want to keep LJ Cryer. You should want to keep Dale Bonner. Maybe those guys leaving kind of sucks. Law of averages. Someone has to be below average. Someone has to be average. Someone has to be above average. Not everyone can win the transfer portal. So it's good that Baylor fans have confidence in Scott Drew, unlike you, apparently. Um, that, that's the thing. Scott Drew is one of the best coaches in America. He's also that's, lost that's, a lot of his coaches. 
I love Scott Drew. That's the thing. I don't know how I become this Baylor hater. I've I think Baylor was the school I first loved the most when I covered the Big Twelve. But you look at Scott Drew, like he won, has lost all of his amazing assistants. That's a testament of how good of a head coach and how good of a leader he is that those people are moving on. Do you know what else he's lost? A lot of great assistants. Like assistants are the life, like those are so important to your team. And not only are they leaving his program, they're going in the big 12 to then face him. And they know all of his tricks and trades. It's like, are, I just feel bad are. for Scott Drew. He doesn't deserve this. They're two and zero against and 0 him 0. as of last season. So, um, Robbie, you have one minute to address Scott B. Scotty B, the BU King. I don't get mad at fans for being, you know, passionate and come after me. Uh, but Here, I just man. fans have this drug in them that they crave. It's called hopium. Uh, it's it's something that I've I've heard, but I'm coining it. Like everyone wants to have the most amount of hope possible, and if anyone gets a gets in the way of like taking their bit of hopium, they just freak out and they're like, "You're wrong. You are the problem." And then like it ends up happening and then no one ever gets mad at the person who, you know, tried to stop them from doing drugs, hopium. Um, and that's where to Scotty B. I don't know how you just can't see my part. You, you are as of right now, a worse basketball team. And the only thing saying you won't be is hope. So the floor is yours, Scotty B come to my Twitter, follow mentions, whatever. Once again, Law of averages, Robbie, but it's got to be wrong, and it could be you. It could be you, man. Not everybody can be right. Uh, but I actually agree with you, so we'd be, we'd be wrong together. You and I will die, and I'll die holding you. Mama. <laughs> Thanks. That's it. All right. We'll call it there. I'm Drake Tolton, Sports Illustrated's Inside the Bears. That's Robbie Triano, Sirius XM Big 12 Radio. If your name is Don Watson, you know that guy. Thank you for making Locked On Baylor your first listen every single day. Go follow Robbie on Twitter. He said he wasn't going to be on it, but he lied. This has been an always will be Locked On Baylor. Bye.